Hello, everybody. It's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to another episode of my Language Facilitation Helpline podcast. The information in this show is designed to equip and empower parents to take action today. The strategies and advice provided here are general and not intended to replace personalized consultation. If you want individual coaching and advice, you should visit wavesofcommunication.com to learn how to work with me as a client. Evolve with the language facilitation process and always honor your unique family's abilities and your own core values before you consciously initiate any action with your child. And now on to the show. I am going to be doing a great fun demonstration today of six different language facilitation pretend play strategies. I'm also going to demonstrate how to use language facilitation talk during these strategies. And these strategies should be good for every age and every language level. So you should be able to find something in these strategies today to help you use pretend play time to practice speech and language with your late talker while you are home. So thank you for everyone who's joining me. My name is Marcy Melzer, and I am an intuitive speech language pathologist and language facilitation consultant. And it is my mission to help parents everywhere use the things you already have at home to teach your children how to use unprompted spoken language. And so that's what we're going to do here on this strategies. By the way, this is also a Q&A session. So after I get done with these strategies, I will take questions. So if you have a question while you're watching the video, please go ahead and put it in the comments. And if you're watching on the replay, you can always post questions in the comments and I'll get to them on the next session. So, all right, let's get in and get started with these language facilitation strategies. All right, the first one is gonna be about using your child's favorite stuffy or baby doll or whatever kind of animal they carry around. So these kinds of toys are pretty much in everybody's house. And a lot of kids have a favorite one that they love. And this is always the best way to, you know, sort of use your child's buddy as a great communication partner, a great way to facilitate the kinds of activities that you do with your child every day. You can use your child's stuffy to help them learn how to use the everyday language you need for everyday care and everyday stuff. So when you pretend with your child's teddy, you treat them just like another member of the family. And if you if it is time for you to get dressed, then you look at putting clothes on to your teddy and you help your child with that job. Do it together. Put clothes on your teddy. If it's time to eat, then your teddy should 
eat at the same time you're eating. You can use real food or pretend food. You can just use a spoon or a cup to pretend to feed your child's teddy. And these are the, this is really especially good if you don't have any other playmates at home. If there's no other siblings or you don't, you know, this is a time that everybody's home and friends don't get to come visit. This is a great time to use your teddy to do little pretend play situations like you would with a friend. So first of all, you take care of your teddy, just like you take care of your child. You do the things with your teddy that you do with your child, either in real life, while you're doing it with them, while you're getting your child's dressed, you also get their teddy dressed. That's a good way to relate the experience the first time. And then later on, if your child is playing teddy or your teddy's clothes come off, you know you can use those same language that you use, those same phrases, short phrases, slow phrases to talk about how you are demonstrating how to help the teddy. And just like you help your child, put your arm in, wiggle it through. Oh, I see your fingers. Here's your fingers, teddy. Your fingers came out of the end of your sleeve. We did it. We put the teddy's arm in the sleeve. Let's put his other arm in, right? So all through the struggles of getting the clothes onto your teddy, through trying to figure out what does your teddy want to eat? Think about the kinds of things that you like to eat and pretend to feed them to the teddy. If your child likes mac and cheese, feed the teddy mac and cheese. If your child likes things that, um, you know, are, are unusual, maybe your child likes olives or Cheetos or jelly beans or whatever, Feed the things that your child loves to the teddy. And then when you feed the things to the teddy that your child doesn't love, make your, first of all, when you feed the things that your child loves to the teddy, make the teddy say the words that would you would um, say when you eat something yummy. Ooh, that is a yummy jelly bean. I like yummy jelly beans. Please give me more yummy jelly beans. Those are the words that you want your child to say to you when you want them to ask you for things. So when you give and pretend those things to your child's teddy, you can model the word the teddy will respond with the language that you want your child to say. And this is a great way to model the responses if you've taken the swapping the prompting challenge and you know, you're eliminating questions from your child's life. The using the teddy as the response is a great way to teach your child how to use those words that they need um, for all the things that you're teaching them to do. All right. And then the other thing that you can do with a teddy is you can treat it like a baby doll or you can use a baby doll and get into the more specifics like changing diapers, giving bottles, burping the baby. Don't forget that the baby or your teddy or your friend's teddy, it can be reflective of a baby or it can be reflective of their same age buddy. So when you go on a walk, 
take your teddy with you. Put him in a stroller and walk him with you. Or let your child hold his hand while you're walking so that they remember with your buddy, you always hold their hand while they're walking. These are the things that you can use your child's teddy to help you model the language that you want to hear from your child. And almost every family has a teddy like this. Now, teddies also can be stand-ins for some of the other kinds of pretend play we have. So we're going to put this teddy down right now. Oh, actually, the next thing we're going to use the teddy for, sorry, the next strategy, strategy number two, is to use the teddy like you would a pretend play friend. So instead of someone that you care for, like, you know, the baby or, um, you know, you're feeding the teddy, taking care of the baby. If you have an older child who has social experiences, so like for school or you're trying to work on social skills, you can use your teddy for that with my favorite, which is teddy bear picnic or tea party, right? So you set up your child's teddy with you. And this is another way, great way to work on requesting and social language. Please and thank you. That's very nice. And you practice the small talk where you talk with your friends about the things that you see outside. So if you're taking a walk with your teddy and he's more, you know, in your child's age, similar to his level, not somebody that he has to take care of, like a pet or a baby or something like that, but somebody more he can relate to and talk to, then you can have your child explain things to his teddy that he sees in the world. Oh, and make Teddy part of your crowd. So, and you show your, your child how to explain things to your Teddy. So if you're walking, taking a walk and you see a dog, you can say, look, Teddy, there's a big dog. Wow. Let's stay away from that big dog. He might want to eat you. That kind of phrase is something that's going to be really attractive to a child and he'll relate because he already does he she your child already does relate to their stuffy as a friend or uh, something they have to care for something they care about right so what we do for the things and the people that we care about is we take care of them, we teach them things, we show them how to do things, and we love on them. So make sure that you are showing your child how to give a lot of love to their teddy. If the teddy falls down and gets dirty, wash the teddy, be nice with the teddy, and use all the language you would use if your child fell down. Don't just sort of assume that this thing is just a toy because remember, your child may have real strong feelings and really relate to their teddy. And you want to take advantage of that as a language facilitation mom or dad, because this relationship your child has with their teddy is definitely something you can use. So strategy number two is not to just care for your teddy, but relate to your teddy like a buddy and have picnics with your teddy, take your teddy with you when you go on walks, involve them in the other play activities activities that we're going to do. So that's the next step with Teddy. Now, step number three, strategy number three, I guess I should say, is a super fun way. And I have many ideas for this one. And it is, let me get the prop. It is dress up time. So when you 
when you are playing with your child, you have the opportunity now that you're home, if you're spending some time at home now during social distancing, this is when you get out the boxes of Halloween costumes. Um, you might even have you might even have Santa hats around. You can play any kind of scenario. So the first trick with dress up is to really explore each of the dress up items that you find. So in my dress up box, I found a whole variety of things. I found this funny hat and it's black and it has purple, uh, purple brim on it. It's very big. It the, the things that you find in your attic box or even your dress up stuff, pull out your sparkly dance shoes that you never wear except that one time you went on a cruise or your super fancy um, dress with the sequins on it that maybe, you know, you wore one time and, and, and you want to dress up and play with your child, pull out some special accessories that you have, jewelry or tiaras or, you know, things like that. And these are the times during the, um, when you're home with your child to explore these things that you already have in your house. What about your biggest sparkly diamond jewels? If you have any of that hanging around in your house, pull it out and let your child look at it and hold it and try it on and take their picture with it. Um, even your grandma's old costume jewelry, right? The beads that you have left over from Mardi Gras, put on that stuff and have a fashion show. Talk with your child about, first of all, the objects that you find, how old they are, how pretty they are, how colorful they are, what you do with them. People use these fans for many, many different things. And, you know, when you talk about the, the items that you find, like, why would you wear? Uh oh, look at this. Surprise. It's a Santa hat. We need this at Christmas. And you can play Santa Claus, wrap up some boxes and play Christmas at your house. You can put on a hat like this and play businessman or CEO. If you this make this hat makes you feel like the boss or the mayor, or maybe this hat makes you feel like a circus performer and everybody gets to be circus animals. Or you could even be a dog trainer and everybody gets to be dogs and you you do tricks. You don't have to dress up, but dress up kind of helps kids get more in the idea and mode of learning. So dress up time with whatever you have around. Dad's old work shirts, grandpa's overalls from the barn, your ball gown that you wore on that cruise one time. These are the things you pull out now. Try them on check them out, look at them. And out of these scenarios, you can create amazing pretend play. I'm just going to give you a list of a few that I wrote down just literally fast. I'm going to take my, my deco hat off. Let's see. So just dressing up to dress up and do a fashion show is one way. And then of course, there's animal control or behavior. Maybe the dogs got out and you have to round up the dogs and put them in the kennel. That's a fun game. Or you, they're circus animals and they have to perform. Or they're farm animals and you have to like ride them. Maybe they're horses. You can be horses and riding on horses. Animal play. And then one person is the zookeeper. You have to feed the animals. You have to clean up the animals. Uh-oh, what if the animals poop? All those scenarios are wonderful language facilitation opportunities. And then there's the classic 
What about playing house where somebody's the mommy and somebody's the baby? Maybe you swap roles where your child gets to be the mommy and you get to be the baby. And then instead of taking care of your stuff, your child is trying to feed you and burp you and change your diaper and all that kind of silly stuff. So you can pretend house. And what about cleaning? You know, you play vacuum, um, play cooking, all those things to play house. And people have those roles. And in language facilitation, this is where a lot of kids fall short. They might have needs-based language where they know how to ask for things. And even those teddy bear um, strategies are good at teaching requesting. But when kids get that needs-based language, they need to see a lot of examples of non-requesting, non-directive kind of talking, more explanations of what could happen, and storytelling. Storytelling is what really helps late talkers learn how to use language later because they listen to the stories, they relate the stories to things they remember, they learn the vocabulary, and there's no pressure when you're listening to a story to say a word or imitate anything or do anything along with the person who's telling the story. But with pretend play, you get to be part of the story. Everybody has a role. So you get to be the mommy. I get to be the baby. I get to be the baby. You get to be the mommy, whatever it is. You can play office. Like I said before, if you are working from home right now, Set your child up with a little office. Give them special pencils. Give them a, a cup to put their pencils in. Put a paper down as a blotter so you make a little desk area for them. And let them do their Play-Doh or things like that next to you and remind them of all the things that you do while you're at work. Oh, it's time for a coffee break. Let's take a coffee break and get up from your table and go to the kitchen and have a snack and call it a coffee break because that's the language you would use if you were at an office. Um, doctor is another amazing pretend play opportunity. You can, if you pretend that your child is sick and you take care of them as the doctor and so you got, you model all those things and you tickle them in the same time and all of that or your child can be the doctor and you be the sick person. You might want to try you being the doctor or you being the boss or you being the mommy or whatever first before you give your child those roles. If you model for them how to be the mommy first and then the next time you play house, they can be the, you know, they can be the mommy, then that way you've given them an opportunity to hear the language, experience it without any pressure to kind of come up with that speech on their own. And if they are the subordinate at first, then they can learn how to respond. And if you join another subordinate like a teddy in with you, so if you are the doctor and your child is the patient and the teddy is also the patient, if you're the doctor and the teddy is the patient, then you can both be doctors. You and your child can both be doctors and the teddy gets to be the patient and then you both get to use the doctor talk and play with the doctor tools and all of that stuff and you together are running the doctor office you know tell your doctor the next patient's coming here comes the teddy right and then you're examining the teddy oh teddy's got explain to the doctor like you're the nurse the teddy's got look 
The Teddy's got a sore tummy. Oh, no. We have to examine this Teddy's tummy and then figure out how to examine it. Listen to it. Squeeze it. You know, whatever the doctors do. Let's. Oh, and then give the Teddy some treatment. Oh, the Teddy needs some medicine to help his tummy feel better. You give him some medicine. Now the Teddy is better. Yay, Teddy. And then Teddy goes, put him into bed or the hospital bed or give him a ID bracelet. Get as detailed as you want. But you guys get to be the hospital and talk about that. Um, and then the other one that a lot of kids like is the fighting things. They love the, the boys, especially, you know, they don't get out and get around and every opportunity they like to have a little WrestleMania or, you know, some kind of stuff like that. So this is where the boys and dads can do a lot of great language facilitation with your wrestle time, your fight time. Now make sure you have rules about your fighting before you just say, jump in and wrestle. Tell your child exactly what you're going to do. I'm going to put you in the neck hold and grab your child around. And, and you know, obviously you're going to do it gentle, but demonstration stuff. But explain what you're doing, because a lot of times that's what happens with the fighting kind of pretend play. It just turns into a lot of screaming and running around and yelling and stuff. But if you want to use fighting for language facilitation, then you have to talk about why. Why are we fighting? Like there's a story always behind the fight when they see him on. You took my whatever or you're the bad guy. I'm the good guy. You know, however, you sort of set it up so everybody knows what the story is because there is a story behind the fight, not just, uh, 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 you know, and if your child is doing just a lot of that stuff and they're not using words, then you want to combine those things with, ouch, you hit my elbow. My elbow is broken now. Oh, no. So you're explaining what happens with the fight and how people actually get hurt. Because a lot of kids don't understand that that fighting they see on TV or whatever, in video games, whatever they see, people are actually aren't getting hurt because they just go, oh, uh, uh. You're like you hear the guys hitting, but you don't hear the other guys like, wow, that really is painful. And I don't want to do that again. So when you're doing that is a um, wonderful way to facilitate language. So that was already tip number three, where we talked about whole body dress up. All right. And so the next strategy that I have for pretend play involves little characters. And I have a bag of little characters. I'll show it to the camera. It's literally a bag of Disney and other kinds of things that I've accumulated over the years in my therapy box that were probably my kids' toys 100 years ago. And these kind of little characters are usually found in people's houses. Sometimes they're connected with the, the actual toy, or sometimes they just come by themselves like this. You can put your finger in them sometimes. Here's Snow White. She kind of looks like a puppet. Um, so I've got three of them here. And this is when kids get to the level where they can play with characters like this. That's when you can 
take these stories to the next level. So kids who recognize characters, they will use characters to play on their own. You might see them looking at a character and in their head, if they're looking intently at it, think about what they're touching. Are they looking at what is your child interested in when they're looking at that character? They're looking at, you know, the dress or whatever. But in probably most cases, if they can relate to the character, if they know who it is, whoops, I dropped Snow White, sorry, if they know who the character is, then they know a little bit about the story around the character. And they certainly know what the character does. And in this one, he's got, he's got Abu, his monkey, and he has his lamp, right? So this character actually is doing something. He's holding his lamp and Abu is hiding. Abu is a monkey. Wow. So we can talk about these things just like your child is looking at them, but we also should always talk about what they do. And characters can be anywhere from very simple jumping, uh, you know, um, you can say the character's name. So here is, you know, he is jumping and you also use his name. I can't remember his name. Why I can't remember his name. I don't know. Um, Genie is jumping. Abu, I know the monkey's name, Abu is hiding. And so when you look at them, you see those things and you talk about what the what you see on the character. And you also talk about the colors. He's wearing a hat. He's not wearing any shoes. Sorry, it's not wanting to focus. Um, so this is what you're going to do first is talking about the characters and then have the characters by themselves do things one at a time. So first here comes Jeannie, jump, 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 jump. And then here comes Cruella. Cruella is jumping, jump, Cruella. Cruella is jumping, jump, jump, jump. And she can jump off the table or into a bucket or on your head. All these places, just simple with one character. So if your child just has one character they're holding on to that they like, it's kind of like they're stuffy. Only you can do a little bit more things with it. You can feed it and take care of it. But usually, like this one, she's got a puppy in her pocket and she She's hiding and she's got red gloves on and red shoes on. Lots of things to talk about her. But we also know that she's the bad guy and she's the one that's trying to steal the puppies. Oh, no. So you can tell a little bit about the story with the character with little phrases. Oh, she has a puppy in her pocket. Oh, she's trying to take that puppy. The puppy needs to go, right? So those kinds of language, you're going to tell the story with an individual character. And then when you get two of them, they can do all of the things. I'm taking your puppy. Don't take my puppy. That's my puppy. Give me my puppy back, right? So you're going to use the language that your child would relate to these characters. You can't use random things. I mean, unless it's a very basic language. If your child just has a bunch of characters, you can do the basic stuff, jumping, running, eating, sliding, riding, put them all in your bus and take them to go on a trip together, right? 
all these little characters. That's how they can play together and make all the scenarios that we talked about with the dress up. So with your whole body, you can play doctor dress up or zoo dress up and you can play with your animals too. Same thing. You can have them set them all up in a class and be the teacher and teach them all something, right? So that's how you're going to use the characters in your life for pretend play. And that was strategy number four. Strategy number five is about environment and building and vehicles. So if you at home have a child who is very interested in the vehicles, you probably have a number of them. So Set them all up to make some kind of environment. And if you don't have one, use chairs or tables or blocks or um, other toys to make roadways for them to go in, to make parking lots, to make destinations for the cars to go to. So maybe all the cars are going to the school or all the cars are going to the fire department or all the cars have to leave a certain place because there's some monster coming, you know. Use those vehicles to create environments so you can talk about where they're going and how they're going. And then, of course, talking about each vehicle and its journey. The garage, the garbage truck might need, you know, take a longer time to get there because he has to stop and pick up all the garbage for the other uh, for the other trucks. Um kind of like the movies that they have cars and and vehicles represented as characters those are the stories that often go along with the kids who like to use vehicles and create environments with vehicles and if you have a train table or something like that that's a setup environment right there Play with those things at your child's level. If they can't handle the whole train table and you got it from somebody and it's there in your house, but they only just want to play with one train car, put all that other stuff in a box and use the table with one circle track and one little train and use those things and talk about the actions that are going on with the train. The people, you know, a train stops at the station. The people get on the train. You can even take your teddy and put it on the train or one of your little characters and put it on the train, depending on how big your train is, so that you can make the whole story of this is why we have vehicles. So people can get in them and they can go places or trucks. They put things in them and they take things to places. So Give your child jobs where they deliver things. You know, these are what, when they watch Thomas and they watch these character shows that um, highlight vehicles, that's what you want to do in your pretend play with your child as well. So that you're emulating the language that they have heard from the TV in real life. And remembering through all of these strategies that your language is all demonstration. Don't ask your child to say things. Don't ask them to answer questions. Don't direct them to play in a certain way. You model everything, which means you got to put on the clothes. You got to get the baby and stuffy out. You got to get the little characters and put on the pretend talking and talk like a whale or talk like a baby or talk like a bird or whatever. Change a lot to be these characters. This whole video is about pretend play. So you got to dig in and demonstrate. With language facilitation, we demonstrate how we do everything before we ask the kids to try it themselves. So that means that you've got to get out your little acting skills and start to 
show your child how to pretend with the things that you have in your house. All right. And then number six, which is one of my favorite strategies, is puppets. And I have two puppets, my favorite puppets that I have. I have my shark puppet, shark puppet, and I have my turtle puppet. I just want to show them off on video because I love them so much. My sea live puppet. I like it. My favorite thing about puppets is they have to have a mouth that can open because they can talk that way. My shark is always talking when I'm talking. And, and in this case, I've got my hand in the bottom and I'm just doing this with my hand. I don't even have to have my thumb in to make a whole talky mouth. I just have my hand in flat in the top and put it in this part right here in the bottom. And I'm just moving the bottom with my hand like that. And that's really easy for kids if you if instead of trying to get their thumb in the bottom and their hand in the top, put their whole hand in the bottom of the puppet so that they can make the mouth move like that, okay? Because it's it's hard to get in there and not see your hand like that. This one I have both I have my hand moving like that, but I'm going to do it again. Put my hand on the bottom and I can still make his mouth move up and down, right? Now, I have my whole hand in here tight because I want to use this. Actually, I'm going to use my shark puppet because it's my favorite. Because a lot of people play with sharks because sharks like to eat things. So my first puppet pretend play strategy is to use play food with your puppet. And get five things, not more than five. Maybe a banana and an apple and grapes or spaghetti or whatever you've got in your pretend play bucket. And then you feed those things to the shark. For a child who has very simple language, just eating the food is a pretend activity, just like we did with the baby dolls and stuffies. Now you're going to use your puppet, but you're actually going to feed them and they get to eat. So if I'm going to feed my shark, I don't have any play food, but if I'm going to feed my shark a banana, then I'm going to say, shark, ready to eat banana. I want to eat banana, please. So he's using his nice requesting. I'm giving him the banana. Nom, 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 that was very good. Look at my teeth. So he's showing off himself and he's talking about it's not just all about life. So eating play food with puppets is a great way to start. And then the you can also, if you have a shark and you have characters, your shark can eat the characters. I know it's not very nice, but a lot of kids think it's hilarious. So if the shark is coming and you're, again, it's a whole about a story. Here's Cruella swimming. She's the bad guy. And what's going to happen to her? Um, nom, 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 nom. The shark ate her and took her down in the water. You know, those kinds of silly pretend play are super attractive to kids. They're great time fillers and they're wonderful ways to use your puppets. Now, if you don't have any puppets, you can make puppets from old socks. Just put your hand in, color some circles on his eyeballs to make eyeballs. If you want to get creative and fancy, you can glue on things and make puppets out of socks and, you know, felt and all kinds of things. There's lots of Pinterest I'm sure you can find. But 
These puppets are a wonderful way because puppets have the ability to talk and they know how to move their mouth and they demonstrate these things. So I'm glad that all of you are watching those things right now. So there's Laura. Hi, Laura and Wendy, two of my great followers. Shout out to you ladies. Um, I hope these pretend play activities are super fun with you. I know both of you have kids at different levels, but um, you know, you, while you're home, with your kids during this time that we're all being asked to stay home and spend more time. It is what I am calling an unprecedented opportunity for parents to um, spend time and facilitate language. And if your speech therapy is closed because, you know, of all the closures and things that are going on. The strategies that I used in this video, you can try one of them. There's six I gave you. You can try new pretend play strategies every single day as part of your homeschool language facilitation plan. So pick a time in your child's day that they're usually in a really good mood and find a time that, like I said, that they're in a good mood and pick one of these strategies that I did on this video and try it with your child. Now, don't give up if it is a complete disaster and you feel silly. You feeling silly is all part of the game and kids love it when parents do things that are out of character. Out of character is what pretend play is all about. It gets your child's attention. And when you use the right language with it, it will teach you how it would teach your child the language that they want to say. So pretend play is my favorite by far language facilitation strategy. You can use anything that you already have. You don't have to go outside of your home at all to get anything new to use pretend play today. So that's my challenge for you is to get out and do some pretend play. Now, I want to let everybody know who's watching this. I have done something extraordinary in response to everybody needing to stay home to encourage you to um, learn how powerful you are as a parent language facilitator. And I have done what, like I said, this unprecedented thing because of this unprecedented situation. My language facilitation resources online course which the everyday price is $500, is now available for only $99, um, less than $100. This course takes you through the entire process to identify what is blocking your child's speech, what habits and patterns you need to change, and what to replace those strategies with. It tells you how to reach your child wherever they are at whatever level of communication, spoken language communication they are, and shift their nonverbal communication into spoken language step-by-step step in a systematic process. I know there's parents watching me now who have taken that course and that it is a wonderful resource. Um, I it, it took me a year and a half of doing language facilitation 
one-on-one um, -on -one with families to learn the patterns of progress that are typical so that I could write a course that is good enough for every parent to be able to benefit from. However, all of my resources, including the ones in this video, require parents to take action yourself. You just can't buy this course and expect your child to start talking. You can't just watch this video and expect your child to start talking. It's not magic, it's language facilitation, and it takes work. But it doesn't have to be hard work. It can be super fun because all of the play that I talked about in this video today is the kind of work I'm talking about. Getting silly, getting out your pretend play stuff, finding your child's favorite toys, following their lead and interests, and presenting them with the language that they want to learn. This is how children shift spontaneously on their own without you prompting them into unprompted spoken language. So Laura says, you are amazing. Uh, thank you and very generous. I'm really benefiting from your online study course. Great. So, yep. So Laura has taken the course and there's Seema. Hi, Seema. Thank you for joining me, everybody, today. I'm not seeing any new questions. So I just want to really quick before I pop off, remind you, this is the other resource that you have available on Amazon and Audible. This book tells you the first part of the course. It's only $10 on Kindle and you $9.99, and you can learn how to uncover your child's spoken language blockages and teach them how to get started. Parents all over the world are using this book to shift their children one language level from nonverbal communication into needs-based spoken language without working with me, without following anything. But the other thing that's great about the book and the online course is that they both tie in to the resources that I produce ongoing, like this video right here. So in the online course, you'll learn how to reach and teach your child, and you'll also see a follow-up video here on YouTube where I explain and give examples. So it ties all of the free resources together, and now there literally is way for every single parent on every single budget to be able to have access to these resources. But like I said, you've got to get out and you've got to use them. You've got to get going with your child. And then I hope if you're watching this video that you'll leave a comment in the section and you'll like it and you'll share it with your friends so that everyone who watches this video can benefit from these strategies because they're so easy. Literally everybody can do them. Everybody can do them. So, and Seema says your book is amazing. She read it. So that's it. And the people who are following me on the video live are the people who have used the resources because they learn that the learning never stops. Language facilitation learning never stops. We're always developing our skills as language facilitators. Even as a speech therapist, I didn't know everything when I first came out of college. Uh, it took me 30 years of practice to figure out how to put these strategies together in a way and come up with them in ideas that parents can use. And so that's what I do on my platform. 
Thank you so much for joining me. Again, please like this video, share it with your friends. And if you are interested in the independent study course, head over to wavesofcommunication.com where you can find all the resources and the link is in the description here. So thank you very much for joining me, everybody. I hope this video was helpful to you and I will see you all on my next live over on Facebook Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. And of course, I'll be back here on YouTube on Monday at noon, just like every single week with more language facilitation Q&A. Thank you so much for joining me again, everybody, and I'll see you all in my next video. Bye for now.